Much like an iceberg, our lives have what's visible and what lies beneath. We often focus on the surface, our actions, routines, the things others see. Yet the vast majority of who we are, like the iceberg, remains hidden. Spirituality is just the tip. Our emotional health, the immense foundation beneath, supports and shapes it. Just as an iceberg can't withstand a storm if its base is weak, our spirituality cannot thrive if our emotional health is neglected. One might ask, can you be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature? The truth is, it's nearly impossible to be spiritually strong while you're emotionally unhealthy. To nurture a strong, resilient faith, we must dive deep, confronting and healing our emotional wounds. Emotionally healthy spirituality is about bridging the gap between our spiritual practices and our emotional well-being. It's about achieving true, holistic health. Join us in this transformative journey, exploring the depths beneath and building a spirituality that stands firm. Emotionally healthy spirituality. Last week, we looked at the poster boy for emotionally unhealthy spirituality, and that was King Saul. Let me remind you, Saul was filled with ego and vanity and pride. Do you recall? He even erected a monument to himself. He blamed his own soldiers for disobedience to the Lord. What was the problem? Saul was shallow and totally unaware of the iceberg below him, his interior life. He was afraid of the people that he was king over. He was a world-class people pleaser. And as a result, he was impeached by God who had made him king. God said, enough. Clearly, you're not up to the job. And Saul was removed and uh, no longer the king of God's chosen people because he wouldn't listen. Saul carefully manicured and managed the tip of his iceberg. Listen close. I know it makes you cry. Saul wanted the top 10% of his life to look terrific, but beneath the surface of his life, the bottom 90% of his iceberg, uh, his motives, his jealousies, his sadness, Saul's hurts and fears, the stuff that lives underneath our lives that comes out during times of stress and pressure, Saul's life was toxic. Saul's life was a total mess. This morning, we're going to focus on throwing off our old, sinful, selfish uh, garbage that lives underneath the surface and learning to put on our new nature learning to put on who we are now in Christ. Here, here's the point, though, Henry. When you choose to put on Jesus and throw off the old stuff, you're going to catch a lot of criticism. Be prepared. If you're going to get healthy, some people benefit from your sickness. They're going to be critical. There's going to be resistance when we choose to follow Jesus and be who Jesus called us to believe. Listen close. When we believe 
and receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, Jesus takes our old nature and all the sin, past, present, future, and nails it to the cross. Okay? And Jesus, through his spirit at that moment, takes up residence in our lives. That's called salvation. That's called justification. At the moment of salvation, instantly, we're freed. We're set free. Okay? Then, here's the hard part, then the hard work of growing, the hard work of discipleship, the hard work of sanctification, that's the theological term, begins. That's what Paul's talking about. We're going to put it up here. Philippians 2, verse 12. He tells us, work hard to show the results of your salvation with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Okay? Discipleship, sanctification, is the daily growing, learning, walking, becoming more and more every day like Jesus. Do you understand? How does that happen? Through the work of God's Word, through the Holy Spirit living in us. But it takes time, it takes effort, it takes every day walking with Jesus to grow and become more and more like Jesus. Okay? Instantly, we're free. When you become a follower of Jesus, positionally, instantly, we're free. But I promise you, there's no such thing as instant maturity. Okay? No such thing as instantly mature in Christ. That's going to take a lifetime. The rest of our lives, erasing, deleting the old self, the old nature, the old flesh, and replacing the old me with the new position and identity that I have in Jesus. That takes a lifetime. And we spend the rest of our lives becoming more and more like Jesus. Does that make sense? Throwing off the old, putting on the new, that's the work of discipleship. That's the work of sanctification. If you're able, stand with me. Let's read about Paul's challenge. Throw out the old, put on the new. We're going to read out loud together Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 25. Would you read with me? Here we go. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of of the same body. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us begin that work that all of us are in process of doing, the work of discipleship, the work of sanctification. Lord, we want every day to become more and more like your son Jesus. So today in church, as we gather together with the family, Lord, we invite you. Would you come and take charge today in your church? You come and do your work. Help us uh, to begin to see ourselves with your eyes. 
Help us, Lord, to recognize that your book is the filter that we live out our lives through. Lord, uh, speak. We're listening. And all the church family at Wallen Lake said with one united voice, you can be seated. It's so easy to pretend. It, it's so tempting for us to put on a mask and make ourselves look like something that really isn't true on the inside. Here's, here's a guy who's got a happy mask, and uh, the truth is he, he's not happy on the inside. Students wear their masks to fit in at school with friends and teachers. Employees, when we go to work, I want a promotion, I want a raise, so I put on the right mask. Politicians, uh, they wear masks to get our votes and get elected. Business leaders pretend in order to generate profits and get investors. Editors airbrush their models. Why? To look more perfect than reality. Okay? Sadly, even in church, some of you as you're walking in, put on my happy mask. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. When actually on the inside, you're not doing that great, but you put the happy mask on so everybody thinks that you're something that's not really true on the inside. We feel a need to project something more perfect than the reality that we know lies down below the surface, okay? We don't feel like, I can't express emotions like anger and sadness and fear, so I put the mask on and I pretend and I project a more perfect image of who I am and what's going on than really exists. Last week we looked at Saul, poster boy, emotionally unhealthy spirituality. This week, we're going to look at a 17-year-old teenager, okay? And he's confronted with some forces that are trying to smother his really calling in life, okay? He, he knew what he was called to. He knew what his destiny, what God was asking him to do. But I'm telling you, there are forces at work that were trying to stop that. W would you turn with me in your Bibles or on your phone 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where you want to be. 1 Samuel chapter 17. On one side, let me paint the picture. You, you've got mountains. On one side, you've got the forces of Saul, first king of Israel. On the other side of the valley of Elah are the forces of Goliath, who was representing the Philistines, okay? So that's what's going on here. You've got Saul, you've got Goliath, and now verse 4, here, here we're going to read together. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor. He carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was heavy and thick as a weaver's beam. 
tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Goliath's armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted and taunted across the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you're only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. And if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you'll be our slaves. Listen to what he says. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Okay? Goliath, nine feet tall, fighting machine. He's a killer. He's armed to the teeth. He's a pagan who comes out every day and taunts Israel, the nation of Israel. He's taunting and challenging Jehovah God. I hope you see that. Okay? 17.16 tells us, For 40 days in the morning, at night, 80 times, Saul, uh, Goliath comes out and taunts Saul and his nation. 80 times Goliath struts in front of God's chosen army, shouting, you, you want a piece of me, you chickens? You want a piece of me? Come on, let's rumble. Okay? Get the picture here. 17, 24, and 25, his intimidation worked. His inti- the army of Israel was frightened and scared spitless. Now go to verses 17 and 18. I want to show you something. Okay? One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and bread and cheese and take them to your brothers. Okay? 17-year-old David, the shepherd boy, is sent by his father, Jesse, and, and it's in the Hebrew, but, but you can't see it as well in English, but he says, go and deliver these pizzas to your older brothers. That's really what bread and cheese is. Go, you're the pizza delivery boy. Go take some BC pizza to your brothers That'll help them because I hear they're not doing so good. Uh, so, <coughs> so the youngest of eight sons, David, is sent to deliver pizza to his older brothers. Okay? And David, while he's there, sees Goliath taunting Saul and God's army. David hears there's a reward if you'll just step up and kill Goliath. And everybody is just afraid, cowering and allowing the giant to defy God. Okay, David can't believe that no one is taking the challenge. Uh, 17.26, here's what David says. Who is this pagan Philistine, anyway, that's allowed to defy the armies, here's the key, of the living God? Who, who, who is this? Uh, who does this guy think he is? Now, I want to spend the rest of our morning looking at this story in a little different way. Okay? This morning, we're going to look at the negative voices that are trying to discourage David. We're going to look today at, at those voices that are obstacles to David stepping up 
and doing what God is calling him to do. Okay? We're going to give you three. Three obstacles, three negative voices. If you're taking notes, here's the first obstacle that David's going to have to overcome. He's going to have to overcome the negative voice, accusations from his family. He's going to have to overcome his family, negative accusations. Any of you have a brother or a sister with a spiritual gift of criticism? Any of you? Yeah. Any, any of you uh, have a brother, a sibling that's pretty good with insults, experts at cutting you down? Okay. Then you can identify. Verse 28. But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? That's Eliab's voice that I'm using there. I, I know about your pride and conceit. You just want to see the battle. Okay? Uh, Eliab is the oldest of Jesse's eight sons. Okay? Uh, perhaps some editors suggest, scholars, commentators, maybe 15 years older than David. Okay? So he's the oldest. He's in his early 30s as the oldest brother. He has the authority. He has the blessing. He's going to get the double portion as the oldest brother. Okay? David is the runt of the litter. David is the youngest of the eight boys. Okay? And the minute David shows up, Eliab wants to put him in his place. That's what's going on here. You're nothing but a nobody shepherd. You're nothing but the pizza delivery kid. Just get out of here, punk. Go home. Watch your sheep. You don't belong here. Go sit at the little kid's table is really what Eliab's saying. Go back home where you belong. So let's just think this through. In front of the entire army, Eliab is criticizing and trying to put David in his place. Everybody's listening. Everybody's watching while Eliab slanders and judges and attacks David's character. The message is pretty strong. You're a nobody. You're a loser. You're a wannabe. You're nothing, kid. You're not welcome here. Just go on home. Go be with the little kids and your sheep. The adults will stay and handle this situation. Back to the text. Chapter 17, verse 29, verse 31. David answers probably like he's answered a thousand times. What have I done now? What have I done now? I was just asking a question, Eliab. Uh, none of us grows up with a perfect family. Okay? That's your place for amen, because that's true. None of us grows up with a perfect family. Most of us, we recognize our parents, our brothers and sisters... We were just trying to survive. Many of us have learned to bury our true selves. Okay, Who I really am down below the surface, I can't let that out because it'll just get shredded. It'll just get criticized. David is ignored and verbally shredded by his oldest brothers. Go home. you got nothing to offer us. No one notices David except for God. 
Can I just say real fast, good news? Seems like no one's noticing you. God notices you. Isn't that good? The Lord knows what's going on. The Lord knows the real you. The Lord knows what he's calling you to do. First obstacle David had to overcome was his family. Second negative voice, second obstacle that David had to deal with are the expectations from authority. The expectations from authority. King Saul hears there's somebody who's not just cowering and hiding. Did you know, King, there's somebody who might be interested in fighting? Verse 32. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. Okay? Uh, I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, (laughs) and he's been a warrior since his youth. I appreciate your zeal, young man. I appreciate your enthusiasm, your optimism, but I just want you to know this guy's a trained killer, okay? He would slaughter you in seconds. How old are you anyway? You still got pimples on your face, young man. Do you, do you really think you're up to this? I, I don't think so. I don't. Uh, this is David's king speaking discouraging negative words at David. Okay? Saul is famous. Saul is Israel's first king. He oversees an army of 30,000 soldiers. And now he's trying to talk David out of fighting. Why? He's trying to instill fear in David because Saul is is filled with fear of Goliath. That's what's going on. He's trying to project onto David how I'm not going out to fight this guy and I don't think you should go fight him either. I love David's response. Verse 34. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club, and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I've done this both to lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. (laughs) All those years, David said, I've got experience. I might be young, might just be a team, but I've been watching sheep and goats. God was training David for this moment. Do you understand? God had trained David being a shepherd for reigning and ruling. David is confident He's full of faith in God. David didn't have a second-hand faith. David, out watching the sheep, had a daily relationship with his God. David had a relationship with Jesus. Do you understand? He walked, he trusted in Jesus every day, and now he's drawing on that. Okay? 
Saul finally gives in to David's passion. Verse 37, last part. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped on the sword over it. And he takes a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. He says, I can't use these, David protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Got a picture, a painting actually. Um, This painting is uh, by the artist Ernest Vincent Wood III. It's called David in Saul's Armor. Just look at it a little bit. He's like trying it on. He's looking at Saul. And and David is realizing, you know what? This armor doesn't fit me. Saul, this isn't what I'm used to wearing. (laughs) I need to be true to who I am, David says to Saul. Thanks, but no thanks, Saul. (laughs) I can't wear your armor. David is true to himself here. David is just being honest and real. I'm a shepherd. I'm, I'm an expert with a slingshot. I'm not trained as a soldier like you, Saul, or like Goliath. I can't wear your armor and be successful. David's knowledge of himself and his daily walk with God freed him from the pressure to just go right out and wear Saul's armor. Okay, he, he was freed from the criticism of his brothers, his family. He's freed from the discouragement of King Saul and his expectations. He's freed from having to put on Saul's armor and try to fight in a way that really wasn't him. Okay, When we know Jesus personally, when we're daily walking with Christ, daily personally, it frees us to be our own true selves. Does that make sense? I'm freed. I I don't have to have my family try to script what I should be all about or my authorities. I'm freed to be my true self. Will you have the faith? Will you have the courage in life to say, no, 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 that's, that's really not me. That's not who I am. That's not what Christ is doing in me right now. Will you drop the sword of Saul and will you just say, no, that's your armor, not mine. Will you actually step up and be who Jesus is calling you to be? That's the question. I really like uh, what Pastor Tim Lucas said. The God inside of me is bigger than the giant in front of me. Say it with me. The God inside of me is bigger than the giant in front of me. I'm telling you, that's huge. David was convinced that God living, the living God in him was way bigger than any giant that he would face. And that propelled him forward. Verse 40. David picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag, then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, 
David start across the valley to fight the Philistine. I uh, pick this stone up when Denise and I were in Israel. And the uh, guide and the bus driver, uh, we were in the Valley of Elah, and I went up, I said, could you stop? Okay, uh, what, what do you need? Well, I see kind of a stream over there. Um, I'd like to go get some stones. And he thought that was so funny. And I'm over there picking up five stones, and he's yelling, no, more to the left. David was more to the left, a little closer. And, and, but uh, this stone reminds me of what David did as he's selecting the five stones. Why five smooth stones? Well, it could just be that maybe David is being prudent and realizing it might take a couple hits to knock the giant out. Uh, others suggest if you go to 2 Samuel 21, 16 to 20, did you know Goliath had four brothers? And he very well might have known if I kill him, I got to fight with the brothers as well. So I'm going to need five stones. Or there's others who say, no, the five stones represent the Torah, the Jewish Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Okay, uh, And now David wanted everybody to know, my faith is in the word of God, my faith is not in the word of man. Y'all been trying to discourage me, but I'm telling you, God, the living God, and his book, that's who I'm going up against. First negative voice. First obstacle David had to deal with, accusations from his family. Second negative voice, the second obstacle David had to overcome, expectations from authority. Third negative voice, third obstacle that David had to face is intimidation from the enemy. Intimidation from Goliath. That's called spiritual warfare. Back to the text, verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer, ahead of him sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David that you might come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. This is the, the voice of the evil one. I think the evil one is speaking through Goliath here. Everybody watching this fight was convinced, David, you are out-muscled here. You are out-gunned here. You are going to be slaughtered in seconds. But David knew the living God had already given him victory. Okay, I know he gave me, he gave me victory over the lion and the bear. And now, Goliath, I'm going to get close enough to you and I'm going to swing my sling, and I'm going to let it fly, and I'm going to watch God guide my rock just like a laser into your forehead. Okay? He knew that ahead of time. Let's read about it here. Verse 45. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. 
the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and he hit the Philistine in the forehead and the stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Satan, bowing down to the living God, to the living Word of God. David is literally running into his destiny for what God had in store for him. Uh, The result, it's a breakthrough for David, and it's a breakthrough for all of Israel, this unique role that God had chosen David to fulfill, David to play. Can, Can I tell you something? Jesus is still looking for Christians who are real, who are authentic, willing to take off your mask and be exactly who Christ has called you to be. Here's my question. Are you willing to take off your mask? Are you willing to look down to your interior 90% of your iceberg? Are you willing to take off the armor that somebody else wants you to put on? Are you willing to step up and, and live like David is here? David knew the Lord. David walked with the Lord. David knew who he really was down below deep in his private world. David was able to break through the negative voices, the negative obstacles of his family. He was able to break through from the discouragement of Saul, his authority. David was able to overcome the curses of Goliath, the strongholds of Satan. So here's my my question. Whose approval are you seeking? Who, Who are you trying to live out their script for your life? Okay, Maybe it's time to say, no, no, that's not who Jesus is calling me to be. Maybe you don't know exactly what Jesus is calling you to be. I'm just telling you, the Lord is looking for someone who's real and authentic. Take your mask off. Quit pretending. I'm telling you, John 8, 36 is true. So if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. You're truly free. You really are. I want to close in a little different way today. Can you handle that? Can you handle a little different? Can you? Okay, good, good. Just wanted to make sure. Um, I want to show you how exactly we can spend time with Jesus every day. Okay? Because some of us, the first thing that has to happen is we need to get to know Jesus and spend time with Jesus and walk with Jesus every day. And the reason you can't look deep is you're not used to walking and hearing his still small voice. I want to give you a little exercise. Um, <clears throat> I have up here two books. 
This is a 40-day devotional, and this is called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. If you want to go deeper, if you're thinking, you know, it's good stuff you're talking about, but I need to know more, this, this is your opportunity. Come up here, get signed up. This one costs us 20 bucks with shipping. This one's 11 If you can't afford it, talk to Chad. We'll work something out, okay? We will, we will. But this is found in this uh, 40-day um, devotional, good stuff. But here's, here's what it's all about. I've been practicing this all morning long. Here's what you got to do. <clears throat> hey Siri, set my timer for two minutes. So now, just I want you to join me here, okay? Let's just get comfy, okay? Get comfy, and let's just spend two minutes with Jesus. And keep it simple. Here, here's, here's how I do it. Probably three, four times a day, Jesus, here I am. And I'm drinking deeply from you one more time. Streams of living water is what I need now, Jesus. You come and fill me with your spirit. Fill me up. Put a guard over my mouth. Set a watch over the door to my lips, Jesus. I'm listening. I surrender to you. And just quiet yourself before the Lord. If you know you have some challenging situation in front of you, Lord, give me wisdom regarding this situation or this circumstance. Help me to speak truth with lots of love and grace. I need you, Jesus. Fill me up to the top. Recharge my batteries. Refill my tanks. And your two minutes <laughs> are up. Here's my challenge. Can you do that twice a day for the next week? How many of you are saying, you know what? And you, you don't have to use Siri if you don't want to. Because I actually had to install Siri on my phone. I don't, I don't, but I thought, well, hey, some of you are really good with Siri. Can, can you do that? Can you say, you know what, the first thing for me to start looking down deep, I need to be hearing from Jesus every day. And, and if you can, morning and night, and if you miss a time, it's okay, just start right back up. You're not in trouble. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask next Sunday, how'd you do? How'd you do on just spending two minutes twice a day with Jesus? It's, it's so basic, it's so critical. Lord, thank you.
Thank you for being awesome and caring, and you're more excited to meet with us than we are with you. That's the reality. So thank you for wanting to be with us. Thank you, Jesus, for uh, allowing us to not stay emotional babies. Thank you through your word and through your spirit empowering us, Lord, to move ahead. And I pray for my friends that you'd help us to find time in our week this next week, two times a day, to just listen and get recharged and refilled. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus like David did, Maybe today is the day to open the door of your life to Jesus. But to all who believe Jesus, accepted Jesus, he gives the right to become children of God. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you, or it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, it's with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. If you're here in person, make your way to the prayer corner. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. We'll have a personal talk with you. We love you, Jesus. We celebrate you. You're so good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's worship the Lord as we close.